Then answers. Like, does it make sense that the target audience for fidget spinners lost interest in them so quickly? Hi, America. Oh, no. Hello, world. True, though. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, more questions than answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me introduce my guests. Firstly the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather stayed up all night this week trying to remember if she had amnesia or insomnia. <laughs> uh, hello. hello welcome to the show miss morris hola i also wish to introduce the mad and crazy <laughs> michelle cory michelle was born and raised in moira minnesota and has a keen and avid interest in all things paranormal michelle is certain that every time a sock goes missing in her dryer it comes back as an extra Tupperware lid. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's a series of reincarnations, isn't it? It is. You start off at the lowest of the low, which is a sock. You die as a sock. You come back as a Tupperware lid. This is how you progress through all the different stages. Laughing in the background, as always, with us tonight is Nathan Bush. 
Nathan's earthquake kit is just a tuxedo, because in case of a disaster, he wants to look like the most important person to save. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. See, if you dress... Hi, Adrian. Absolutely. If you dress impotent, you'll be impotent. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Series 2, episode 139. 139 is an easily bored, sleepwalking kind of a number with a fear of losing underwear and tremors. 139 Gahi is actually the name of a village in the Punjab province of Pakistan. Where are huh. you from? I'm 138. 138. Oh, I live down the road. I live in 139. <laughs> Have you met my mate Gupta? He lives in 140, a bit further up the road. But there is a village in the province of Punjab called 139 Gahi. So, oh, God. for the first time, in the history of MQTA Radio, we have the I Can't Believe That Fascinating Facts About Pakistan. <sighs> Picture the scene. You're on a packed commuter train. Someone near Lahore. You're in the park. It's in the dark. <sighs> You're in public places. You are not allowed to touch somebody else's what. If you touch it, you'll get six months in jail, madam. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Their hair. You're not allowed to touch their hair. Let me put my shirt back on for you. There's a <laughs> Mine too. Oh, my. Yes, I can tell you've got German heritage. Yeah. So you're saying you're not allowed to touch someone's hair in a public place in Pakistan for fear of getting six months in Chino. Yeah. You're going to go with that. Mm-hmm. There we are. What are we going with, Michelle? Their ear. Their ear. Fiddling with their ear. Little flick of the ear. There you go. Just a little flick at the bottom, around the lobe. It's their cell phone. If you touch somebody <laughs> else's cell phone in Pakistan, you're doing six months. And let me tell you, Pakistan prison is not the place oh, you God. want to be. This is true. I actually walked in on a burglar many years ago, up in Salk Centre in Minnesota, burglarising my shop. When I owned a metaphysical store, we'd sell crystals, incense, we'd do healing. I came into the shop late at night just to check on one or two things. It was a guy stealing things from me. I took out my cell phone to call the police and he knocked it out of my hands. He got charged with interfering with a 911 call. So I have similar experiences with this myself. There's no points to be had. I cannot give the points away with the first question. But do not fear, ladies and gentlemen. There are many more questions to come. By the way, if you're still in the park or in a public space in Pakistan, then you're not allowed to do this either for one month of the year. There's the clue. For one month of the year, you cannot do this in a public space. This isn't interfering with anybody. You're not touching anyone's belongings or anyone's whistle hairy neck you're not allowed to whistle just for specifically for one month and what month would that be miss morris the non-whistling month <laughs> of june <laughs> old june <laughs> like the mountains i'm blue <laughs> true enough any thoughts there michelle just as a throwaway question there i was just picking your brains i think eat you're 100 percent Correct. I shall give you two hefty, healthy points, very well-nourished points, because for the month of Ramadan, you're not allowed to eat 
in a public space. That goes for any religion in Pakistan, whether you're Muslim or not. To continue the trend of the theme of the thing we didn't know, interesting facts about Pakistan. What kind of balls does Pakistan make over 50% of the world's supply of? There. Bocce. Bocce. <laughs> balls. Bocce. <laughs> yep. The old BB. Somewhere in Faisalabad, there's a factory where there's lots of little Pakistani children and they're making bocce balls. It's either bocce balls or cricket. Cricket balls. balls. She's spreading her bets evenly there, isn't she? She spread her balls in two areas there. She could get the points. Do I have the points if one of them's correct? What are the rules here? I actually was going to say cricket, but now I'm going to go with juggling balls. It is soccer balls. Over 50% of the world's soccer balls are made in Pakistan. Finally, Pakistan has the highest watt in the world. They share it with China. There we go. They have the highest one anywhere in the world. They share it with China, who are on a border, of course, with Pakistan. If you think about your... You're going oh, with wall, nice. the highest wall. I see where you're going there. It is going over very mountainous regions. We are nudging towards the Himalayas. There's Everest. I mean, there's a lot of tall mountains there, isn't there? You're going with wall, are you? Why not? Um, it's been the answer that's been giving you the most points over the last it's few weeks. better than cheese. Yes, it's, they haven't got the highest <laughs> cheese in the world, strangely enough. And they haven't got an Eiffel Tower. Not to the best of my knowledge. No. So you're sticking with wall, are you? Yep. Michelle Corey. The highest in the world. Flagpole. The highest flagpole (laughs) in the world. They actually share a road. It's called the Karakoram Highway. It's the highest tarmac road anywhere in the world. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) If you want to go between Pakistan and China and you're not afraid of a bit of altitude sickness... It would care a lot, I guess. My sister got altitude sickness once traveling through Peru up in the Andes. She said it was the most painful experience of her life, and if she'd had a gun, she'd have shot herself. Not a pleasant thing. No. No. Now, Miss 139 was a black and white silent movie from 1921. It starred Diana Allen and Mark McDermott. It's a crime drama, but it was called Miss 130. Nine, the old black and white silent movies. So, for the first time on MQTA, we have the I can't believe that fascinating oh. facts about Hollywood. Oh boy. There you go. Oscars, of course, just around the corner in the new year. Who cares? Do you? <laughs> no, I don't. I just said it. <laughs> we enter the first round of the evening. That is called Ghosts and Hauntings. <laughs> Hang on, I've just missed out 25 minutes. Do you have to pay to have your star on the Walk of Fame? Simple yes or no answer. No. Yes. You're absolutely right, Michelle. You have to pay. Have a guess how much you have to pay to have a star placed on the Walk of Fame in Hollywood. They do not come cheap. Mm. You've got to get workmen out. I mean, you know, they're working overtime. $250,000. Mix up some cement. You're going a quarter of a million dollars, are you? Yeah. That's expensive, Space is limited. Expensive concrete. Well, you can do what Muhammad Ali did and have his on the wall. He said he didn't want people walking over him, so hmm. they put his on the wall. 
Frank Sinatra has three, of course, for film, television and music. How much do you think? If you're going to have a little star, it says Michelle Corrie, there's going to be a set of headphones because, you know, you're on the radio here. 100000 You are the closest. It's $30,000 you have to pay if you want. I mean, obviously, they have to, you know, you have to be put up for a, a nomination. You have to, uh, you can't just spend $30,000 and have Fred Smith builder. You know, this is where we are. The Apollo astronauts have a little moon on theirs. Uh huh. We went to Hollywood recently. I'm not impressed. I didn't know whether to be scared about being shanked, mugged or murdered, to be honest. <laughs> I've never seen so much it's drugs, refuse collection, prostitution. It's pretty grim. I wouldn't go again. I just thought I'd share that with you. There's many wondrous things to see and do in California. I would not go to the Walk of Fame. I was fearful for my life. And I come from East London, if that gives you some indication. <laughs> we're, not, we're not messing around here, are we? You know, I'm not from Kansas. You see what I'm saying? Legendary Hollywood producer Hal Roach would bring a what into a writer's room whenever the writers had writer's block. A balloon. A balloon. All the writers <laughs> writing films in Hollywood. Famous producer Hal Roach. No one can come up with any ideas. I know I'll bring in... A balloon. An orange balloon. <laughs> an orange balloon. You're getting very specific here. Why would an orange balloon manage to deter writer's block? What are we going... What's happening it's fun. in your walnut? It's fun. <laughs> yes. So all you want for Christmas, ultimately, you're telling me, is a balloon. Yes. Any particular colour? Michelle's gone with orange. I mean, what Boiple. are we... Boiple. Mm. <laughs> Nothing rhymes with orange or purple, does it, to be honest? <laughs> nope. Can't help you. Any thoughts, Michelle? What did he bring in to the writer's room when everyone was suffering from writer's block? A bag of... Oh, that's not a bad idea. In fact, I'm going to give you points. <laughs> I will let you know straight off the bat, though, that doing mime on the radio isn't beneficial to our oh. listeners. But Michelle was doing the universal symbol of smoking weed. I don't know how you know such things. No. He would bring in to the writer's room either a drunk or someone who was clinically insane. Oh, that's and, all the writers. Well, and they would call it a wildy. He's yeah. Let's bring a in a wildy. A wildy. Bring in a wildy. So you know you're all sat there. You've got writer's block. You've got a film to write. No one knows what to do. No one's come up with any ideas. They bring in a drunk. Or someone who's mentally ill. That's not necessarily a bad idea because their ideas aren't filtered. They don't think about censoring them. They just blurt them out there. This is very true. I can think of lots of films where I think the drunk has shouted things out and they've actually gone and made a film. I or the insane person. Either one works. You could be insane and drunk. Yes, and like then, me right and then now. you have MQTA Radio. <laughs> Welcome to MQTA Radio. The only paranormal news quiz with mentally ill drunk people. I think we're getting away with it is where we are. But you've gained yourself some points there. I will go with that. What feral population of animals live under the Hollywood freeway? And they've been there since the 1970s. No one knows how they got there. They're roaming the streets. They're feral animals. Switchblades. Tattoos. They're taking your money off you. Old granny's lost her pension money. A raccoon. They're running feral. They're wild, they are. They're wild. They can't control them. Raccoon. Rabid. You're still going with raccoon, are you? Yep. Put the money in the bag. No one gets hurt. Yep. 
Gangs of delinquent what roaming the streets under the Hollywood freeways, Michelle? Cats. It is chickens. There are gangs of feral chickens jacked up on all kinds of Class A drugs and alcohol (laughs) roaming the streets of Hollywood. Relieving mm, people of their smoking that cracked corn. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> Finger licking, good. <sighs> United Nations Security Council Resolution 139 was unanimously adopted on June the 28th, 1960, to allow Mali to join the United Nations. So, nice. for the first time in the history of MQ. <gasps> TA Radio, we have, I can't believe that, fascinating facts about Mali. If you're in Mali, I like Mali. Very similar to Senegal in many ways. If, and this is a nation that drinks tea. They're a tea-drinking nation. They're very similar to the Brits. They do like a nice cup of tea. I will say that about Mali. If you get given a fourth cup of tea, you've had your first one, you've had your second one, you're thinking to yourself, I need to go for a wee, but you're getting a third cup of tea, whether you ask for it or not. You might have got a slice of cake. You've got some biscuits to dunk in. You're having a nice afternoon. Your fourth cup of tea arrives in the household in Mali. I need to know what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. You get given your fourth cup of tea. Where are we going next? What does that mean? You're staying overnight. It means you're staying overnight. Here's a nice <laughs> cup of tea. It's your fourth one of the evening. I'll make you up a bed. Uh-huh. Don't snore. It means you're marked for death. Wow. Ooh. Don't drink the fourth cup of tea. It means you're no longer welcome. Time to go home. Teddy is waving. It's time to go home. This is very similar to the phrase giving someone the cold shoulder. In days of old, when knights were bold, a knight could come to your castle You'd have to look after him because there's a treaty amongst knights. You look after fellow knights. You put them up. You give them board and lodgings. If the knight outstayed his welcome, I don't know how long that would be. Maybe a fortnight. What do you think? I'm guessing two weeks, a fortnight. You would give them a cold shoulder of ham for their meal. And that would be an indication it's time to go home. Giving someone the cold shoulder. If you're given a fourth cup of tea in a household in Mali... You are no longer welcome. The first cup of tea. Again, this is in French, of course. Fort comme le mort. Any guesses? Fort comme le mort. It means strong as death. The first cup of tea is strong as death. You put your spoon in it, it doesn't reach the side. You're taking turns sucking it out of the spout. Number two, your second cup of tea is du comme la vie. Mild as life. Your third cup of tea, sucre comme le mort. It's the sweet love or sugary love. There's your third cup of tea. Fourth cup of tea, time to go home. If you want strong, sweet love, you probably need a cup of coffee, I would suggest. I cannot give the points away. (laughs) Marley's most valuable commodity is what? And I'm going to give you a clue. I'm feeling philanthropic. It's nearly Christmas. It needs to be mined. It's coming out of the ground, ladies. Marley's most valuable commodity is... Quartz. Quartz. Coming out of the ground. Good old quartz. Cheap as chips. Why not? Everyone's got one in their watch, their cell phone. Going back to the idea of right-wing fundamentalist Christians saying you shouldn't be using crystals and quartz. How are they operating their cell phones? How are they operating their computers? I was under the impression that diamond 
tip scalpels have been used in operations since the 1950s. We're using crystals to do all kinds of things around us. Why can we not use them to heal? God gives us grapes, we make wine. God gives us leaves, we make tea. God gives us crystals. I've got a cell phone. I have a scalpel. I have a laptop. What are you going with, Michelle? It needs to be mined. Titanium. Titanium. It is salt. Salt? Salt. Do you think devils live in the mines that are salt? Because salt purifies, doesn't it? Salt clears. In every tradition and every faith, whether it be Islam, Wiccan, of course, witchcraft, Christianity, salt clears, purifies. Again, I've had many fundamentalist Christians come up to me and say, you shouldn't be using salt. You shouldn't be using crystals to heal people, crystals to clear rooms, crystals to remove negativity. And I say, well, what's in holy water then? And they say salt. And I say, well, that's a crystal. But they don't seem to make the connection. It's very odd. Is quartz a crystal? <sighs> You've been sitting on this for some time, haven't you? <laughs> yes. It is. But that wasn't the answer. The answer was salt. It's when did you last crystal. think, oh, I'm going to get a nice runny egg. I'm going to put some quartz on it. Ew. Yeah. I'm going to have a <laughs> big bag of fish and chips. <laughs> It's an old one, Michelle, but it still grinds. <laughs> oh, my God. Quick, before we get taken off air, we now come to our favourite part of the show. The part Yay! of the show... It's either too soon or too late. He's never on the money. Have you noticed that? I'm guessing you never played musical instruments as a kid, right? That's right. Yeah. Hide the sugar. You'd be, like, you'd be the drummer in the band that everyone's trying to catch Animal. up with. You're either too slow or you're too fast. You're never, never on the beat, which is where we are. In case you haven't realised, we're currently doing the mailbag. Mailbag! Hurrah! Each week, we read out your letters of support. We read out your messages and notes that you leave for us on our Facebook sites and on eBay. We love reading out your messages. Please keep them coming. I highlight of our week is to sit here and read these yes. out. Jerry in Michigan posted, The weather outside is freezing, and I need my not-for-your-mother fix to warm me up. There we go. Mm. Was it Jerry that sent us... The Christmas card. Thank, Thank you, Jerry, Jerry, so much. We have so Jerry. many people following the show called Jerry. I, yes. I've lost track. But, Thank you, Jerry. But we are getting a lot of Christmas cards at the moment, and we appreciate those. Jerry's referring, of course, to the fact that at the end of the show, at the top of the hour, when we've gone off air, we stay in the studio. We do not go to the bar straight away, do we, ladies? We sit here for an extra 20 to 25 minutes. When the silliness then ensues, we've drank plenty of alcohol, eaten lots of candy. We've had an hour of the show to warm ourselves up. We stay in the studio. We do an extra 20 to 25 minutes of the show in a round that you can only access in our archives. It is called Not For Your Mother. It's the stories of innuendo, sexual intrigue, naughtiness. Let's face facts. It's filth. It's filth. We cannot read it out. We would be removed if we read this out in the hour we get with Dark Matter. So Jerry's referring to the fact that he has gone to SoundCloud. If you go to SoundCloud, search for MQTA Radio. All of our shows are on there. They're archived. They go back to the last four years. They're completely free. And you can find a little bit more, a little bit of a present, a bit of an Easter egg for you. We do a little bit extra on there. 
Robin in Massachusetts posted. Hi, Robin. Thank you for the card, Robin. Thank you so much. Yes, we're only going to read out people that send us Christmas cards yes. we decided. <laughs> and candy. Yeah. Robin says the point system on the show is rigged. <gasps> yes, that's true. Who yes. knew? Who knew? <laughs> that's very perceptive, Robin. I don't think anyone else spotted that. In light of that, I want to swing the system in favour of Heather and Michelle. Thank Yay. you. Yay. Thanks, Robin. She has a very devilish, very James Bond-esque plan, which now mm. unravels itself. She says, plant a pen with invisible ink on Adrian's table. His own tally will never show up, and I award both the ladies a million points. <gasps> yeah. Millions. Unfortunately for Robin, this isn't a democracy. No <gasps> source of socialism going on. This is an autonomous dictatorship. And I will be winning this week. But we like hearing from you. Uh, I've seen the dictator. Yes, nice. She also made a jab at my hair. Wow. Heather's on. Minus two. Anything else you'd like to add? Are we good at the moment? The good Lord giveth. And the good Lord taketh away. Naughty! Naughty! You're such a naughty child. Let me take you over my knee and spank you. Oh. This is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. <laughs> CF in Canada. Hi, CF. Posted after last night's show and the scoring anomalies. <laughs> what scoring anomalies? I only won by a hundred thousand million and six points to your seven and eight. I don't know what they're talking about. I am thinking maybe Adrian is in league with the Russians. I think we need a special <laughs> investigator. Yes. But Nathan. as we live and learn, of course, you can actually lie to the special investigator. Yeah. Nathan's looking into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A little, little bit of politics there. A little bit of satire. Who knew satire or more questions than answers as we live and breathe? Our good friend Kevin in Minnesota. Oh, hi, Kevin. hi, Kevin. Then said, I think Heather should start next week's show with 11 million points. Yay! Yay! Let's Just play I show. win. Let's, pl let's play I win. <laughs> I'm in charge of the scoring. Who do you think's going to win? He then posted, great show again last night. I loved it. Aww. I just want to mention David in Nicaragua again. I've mentioned him last week, but he said, amazing show last night. Thank you, guys. Hilarious as always. You guys are amazing with your fans oh yeah. thank you david hi david i know that michelle is on a friday night after the show i can't vouch for the rest <laughs> of us <laughs> jeff our good friend in milwaukee hi, hi jeff. jeff hello illinois posted a picture of himself in chicago next to krampus yes hi krampus you loves krampus don't I you do. he's my favorite i actually lived in vienna for a while you, krampus runs down the streets basically beating children it's very funny it's awesome. awesome it's great i think we need to bring this back i also wish to mention martin in new york hi, yeah, martin! Martin! Yeah! martin has a fabulous online auction site on facebook it's called martin's online auctions everything is on there if you're looking for christmas gifts amazing stocking stuffers if you're into the culture of Great Britain, if you like films, if you like 80s music, he has some amazing things on there. Go and have a look at Martin's Online Auctions on Facebook. You can still get some last-minute gifts on there. You've already shown that you've got good taste. By tuning into the show, you can surround yourself with good taste 
as well. As I mentioned before, you can find us on SoundCloud. We have archives going back over four years. Everything's free. You can listen to them back to back in the car, on long journeys, in the gym. If you're sat having to do some miserable work, if you're revising for an (laughs) exam, if you're walking the dog, you can listen to all of our shows. And remember, if you're listening now on SoundCloud, why not press the little orange love heart and show us how much you love the show. And remember, we do an extra 20 to 25 minutes in a round called Not For Your Mother. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. If you wish to make comments, if you wish to give us your messages of support, if you wish to see the cartoons, the jokes, the banter, all of tonight's stories, all of the video footage, everything you could possibly ever wish for, you can go to our Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers, with Adrian Lee. We have over 6,000 followers on there. You can catch the show first, of course, on Dark Matter Digital Network, 8pm Central Time on a Friday night. We have 100,000 listeners in 190 countries, so you can join us then and hear us first in the week, of course. My Twitter account, Adrian underscore Lee underscore Tips, has got 96,000 followers at the moment and if you wish to donate to the show we would love your generosity if you wish to donate a single dollar per episode you can go to our patreon site at patreon.com search for mqta radio there's lots of goodies lots of things we give away for a single dollar a show we have studio expenses we have to pay for all of our platforms that we have our archives on if you can contribute we would be very grateful finally my book mysterious minnesota digging up the ghostly past at 13 haunted sites is now out and available on amazon and all good bookshops you can certainly get that just before christmas it will make again an excellent stocking stuff if you're into ghosts if you're into history if you're into evidence of paranormal activity and things that go bump in the night it's all there for you i'd be happy to sign that the next time i see you Now, every Christmas, we do a lot of charity work in the local area. We like to support the local food shelf. The food shelf in Wyndham. Wyndham's a town of 4,000 people. There's a fabulous lady. Her name's Clarice. She's in her 70s. She should be at home with her feet up, enjoying a sherry and a mince pie. But she's out feeding people at the Wyndham Sharing Centre food shelf. And she's desperate for funds. They fed over 700 people last month alone in a town of 4,000. Wyndham's fallen on poor times, factories have closed, people can't find works. If you wish to give a fabulous, generous donation to the Wyndham Sharing Centre, you can write your cheques to the Wyndham Sharing Centre and you can post that to 1156 4th Avenue, Wyndham, Minnesota 56101. That's the Wyndham Sharing Centre, 1156 4th Avenue, Windham, Minnesota, 56101. You never know when you may need to use one of those locations and one of those sites. And you will be feeding families. And I know they get vetted. They get interviewed. They're not just giving their food away. She's very particular. It goes to the right people that need Mm -hmm. it. So don't have any fear about that. And every single cent of your check will go to that food shelf. I guarantee that myself personally. Did you notice this week, Miss Morris? What? Several weeks ago, we had a competition on the show. We had the mystery Oreos. <gasps> Do you recall such things? We all yep. jumped in. We had a taste. I said it tasted like pine sole. My guess yes. was wrong. Who knew? They've come out and told everybody what the mystery flavour was. Do you remember what you said, Miss Morris? It was like 
Fruit Loops or Fruity Pebbles or something like that. It was Fruity Pebbles. You're awesome, Heather. Where's your $50,000? Where's my money? I don't know. I want my money. We, I understand that. <laughs> we need to go to Nabisco. Pay up. Pay up. Do you remember when I said, this is me guessing, and that here I am on our show, first one guessing it, I should get the money. Yes, I don't have the money for you. Nabisco. I want it. Has to, yes, we can go to Nabisco's factory. <laughs> we can stand outside and say, where's our money? Yeah, I, we've got it recorded when I we said it. We have got mine. it recorded. I understand that. <laughs> mine. <laughs> You've changed, Morris. <laughs> this is true. But we were here first telling you. That's right. I can't believe your taste buds managed to find that information. Just like Gordon Ramsay. Based yes. on what you drink and eat. <laughs> Marvellous palate. I've eaten in here, you muppet. It's raw. <laughs> <laughs> now, each week... Dare I say the magic words that are the curse of Oak Island. Oh, God. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. We've been following the curse of Oak Island series five for the last few weeks. I've given it a hard time. I thought it was 60 minutes of my life thrown away that I'll never get back. I said to you, it's like crack cocaine. I can't give it up. I've got to watch it week in, week out to see if the money shot will ever be there. And I said it's wasted 60 minutes of my life. Do you remember? Yes. I was wrong. I have to say I was completely 100% wrong. I'll admit that now, on air, in front of all of our listeners. I suddenly realised, watching this Tuesday's show, it's 70 minutes long. I was 10 <laughs> minutes out. It's 70 minutes of my life I'm not getting back. I was out to the tune of one-seventh. I feel bad about this. I'm going to sum up. I don't want to give any spoilers away. If you haven't seen this week's show, I'm going to go through extensively what that 70 minutes basically presented to me this week. So uh, bear this in mind. I'm, I've got quite a list here, obviously. Um, this is what happened. This is a summary of the Curse of Oak Island this Tuesday. Do you remember the bone that they found last week? Well, this week it turned out to be a bone. Great. And Rick got bitten by a tick. Oh. Mm. Let me just let that sit. <laughs> On your shoulders for one minute. Let's just have a moment of silence where we take all that on board in a 70-minute show. Let's just run through that again because I know we do have some listeners um, in the South. (gasps) Oh, no. Well done, the South, by the way. More satire. We don't want to touch on that too much. We'll alienate people. Yes. Okay. Curse of Oak Island this Tuesday. The bone they found last week, they had tested scientifically and it turned out to be a bone. Nice. Rick was bitten by a tick. Wow. That's it. We have. <laughs> That's it. A quiz show. <laughs> you are listening to more questions than answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Michelle's on six. I'm yet to score. And Heather's on minus two. We're in the round of ghosts and hauntings. A group of friends have received the fright of their lives after they claim to have spotted a ghost of a dead 19th century slave girl in a selfie. During a visit to the Myrtles Plantation in St. Francisville in Louisiana, the group of five pals posed for a fun pic. But when they posted the photograph on Facebook, they spotted what appears to be a ghoulish apparition. And bunk. Oh, if you're playing, 
the Bell Bunk and Snore MQTA drinking game. You can now have a shot thanks to Miss Morris. Thanks, Heather. The museum which brings to life the days when slaves worked on plantations in the Deep South picking cotton is said to be haunted. The most frequently reported one is an enslaved child called Chloe who was killed by a lynch mob. She is said to haunt the property. The weird photograph was then posted onto the Myrtle's Plantation Facebook site. Myrtle's Plantation or complete fabrication. You decide. (laughs) You can go to our Facebook site, more questions and answers, with Adrian Lee, and the photograph that's been faked will be on there for you to see, for you to decide for yourself. Miss Morris, what have you got tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? A growing number of old shoes have been discovered concealed inside the walls of British homes. Mm. The peculiar practice, which was thought to have been carried out by superstitious builders and homeowners, was intended to help protect buildings from evil. Evil. Where's my shoe? Where's my shoe? It's in the wall. Where's my shoe? The wall. It's no good in there. How am I supposed to get to work? Where's my shoe? Wall. Why have you couldn't put both shoes in? I've only got one. (laughs) (laughs) One such example was discovered by Laura Potts, a homeowner who was undertaking renovation work at her Georgian home near Norwich, which she came across a woman's shoe in the wall. Just one. Just one. According to history professor Malcolm Gaskill, it probably had been left there to deter witches. Witches. Huh. There were a lot of witches in Norwich. Witches. <laughs> Is there really? Yo, what's up, witches? <laughs> look at my gang signs. Look, look. I've got rheumatism in my fingers. Can you see what I'm doing here? So it's actually Norwich. Yeah. Norwich. Yeah, Norwich. Witches in Norwich. Norwich. <laughs> Would you like a sandwich? Yes. Norwich. I understand that. I've been to Norwich many times. They're famous for mustard. They grow mustard all around the area. Well, in early modern period, people also believed in demons, ghosts, elves, goblins. But witches were the most frightening because they were in human form. At least that's what they thought. Mm. Fear of these supernatural beings was rampant throughout the 18th and 19th centuries. One theory proposes that the shoes were intended to act as lures for witches. So you're fishing for witches, mm. spirits, and other supernatural threats. Fishing for witches. I want to see right. that show. I'd like to watch that. What would you use as bait? Shoes. Shoes, man. <laughs> Come on. Keep up. My shoe's wet. You're not even listening to my story. So you're dangling your shoe in the canal. You've caught That's a witch. Right. Look at this one. It's huge. Well, actually, the theory is that the evil force believes the shoe to be a person. I don't know. I don't get it. And attacks the shoe instead. And the spirit or witches or elves or superstitious beings. Goblins. Then gets trapped inside the shoe. I wonder if there's anything connected with the idea of a I foot? know one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that. What did you say? (laughs) Am I the only one who's losing their grip on the day? (laughs) I said a foot. (laughs) Yes, but I don't understand why people are laughing. You said, is there anything connected? And I said, a foot. What we've discovered there, ladies and gentlemen, is that no one likes a smart ass. 
<laughs> one shoe or bad luck for you. I was going to go on to say, <laughs> I know an old woman who lives in a shoe. I wonder if there was a connection. That was all. Witchy's shoes. Oh, Just see I where got we are. It. Yeah, we'd have to go and look that up. Fairy tale. I'm going to give you two points, which gives you a hefty zero. Oh. <laughs> Holly Willoughby's fans are convinced that her garden wall is haunted. We're moving into areas you know a lot about. Mm. By the ghost of a doll-like child in a bonnet. The presenter, 36, posted a picture of her three children, Harry, Bell, and Chester, playing in the snow. Yes. But how many were distracted by something creepy in the background? Missed. One. <laughs> what? Missed? It was missed. So you're saying ultimately it's... Bunk. You could have let me finish Woo-hoo! my story. It's children in the mist. Go on. One Instagram user commented, anyone else notice a face on the garden wall? Another replied, oh my God, I see it too. A small girl in a bonnet. While someone else offered instructions, writing, zoom in as far as you can on the white bits of the wall. It's just below the red bricks on the right-hand side. It's only little, but it looks like a doll's face looking to the side. This will be nightmare situation for Holly, as she has previously revealed that she is terrified of ghosts and walls. She should put shoes in the walls. There, I shall mention that to her the next time I see her. She told the mirror in October that she refused to go to the toilet in her home. She shares with her husband Dan Baldwin as she thought it was haunted by the woman in black. Where so what does she, she use? <laughs> Better than the twins in brown. <laughs> I've been haunted by the twins in brown. I don't get it. Of course not. The benefits of a rudimentary education. Holly said I was scared I had to leave the house. It was daytime too. Well, no, I'll tell you what she does. We'd been to see the woman in black. Me and Dan, where we lived at the time, there was only one bathroom upstairs. I came downstairs to say goodbye to him as he was going to work. I was in my pyjamas. And he went. I looked upstairs and I thought, I can't go up there in case she's there. But I need the loo. The only way I could (gasps) do it was to go to the dirty laundry washing bin in the kitchen, put on the filthy clothes and drive to Sainsbury's, which was the nearest toilet to me. It really affected me that much. I really don't like it. Yes, I'm not a fan of Sainsbury's either. (laughs) (laughs) Ghostly wall. Oh, the woman's a fool. Go to our Facebook site, more questions and answers, and you will see the snow on the wall that looks like a dolly's head in a bonnet. Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? A horrified student claims she captured the ghost of a caretaker stalking an abandoned mental asylum after dark. Nice. Also bunk. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> We now move into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. <laughs> Let the woman get a sentence out. She just read the headline. Oh my god! We're just letting you do it now because I mean, there's no point, is there? Just no. go, go through it anyway. Should I? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> 
Kyla Perdery was exploring Denby Asylum in Wales with three friends when she came across a spooky, derelict corridor. Despite hearing banging, talking, and experiencing cold shivers, it wasn't until Kyla looked back at the photographs taken on December 2nd that she noticed the ghostly figure. The 22-year-old was shocked when she saw the ghost lurking in the distance and believes it could have been a deceased caretaker who used to work at the asylum. Kyla from Crewe in Cheshire says it was really scary in there. It felt as though ghosts were present because I could feel the tension. But it wasn't until we returned to the car and I was looking through the photographs that I saw the ghost. As soon as I saw the figure, I had a horrible pain in my chest that went all the way down my arm, and I couldn't speak. It was terrifying. Rumor has it that there's a ghost of a caretaker in there, and I'm sure that's him. Kyla, an avid fan of the paranormal, decided to explore the abandoned asylum after hearing that it was haunted. Despite being skeptical about what she would find, Kyla came out of the asylum horrified, and having her beliefs of the paranormal confirmed. Kyla added, when we were in there, it was terrifying. Doors were shutting behind us, and there was a continual banging. When I started taking photographs, I could see orbs and mists covering my screen, as though the ghost was getting into the photo. As soon as I saw the mist, I knew I had to get out of the asylum, so I ran out. And I ran. <laughs> I'm gonna run to you. <laughs> Don't look at me. No, you've got nothing, have you? <laughs> but I was running and I could still hear voices. Yeah, a rough night. However, when I thought I was safe in the car, that's when I saw the caretaker in the photograph of the corridor. With his spooky broom and mop mm. and bucket. <laughs> like Willie? Yes, one eyed <laughs> Willie. My fear took over all over again. Nice. Mm -hmm. This is what happens if you end up in Wales. Mm. You can see the photograph for yourself. Ghost caretaker or find her caregiver. You decide <laughs> for yourself at the end of the first round. That is ghosts and haunting. Michelle's on eight. I am on two. Heather has moved her way up to zero. As we enter the round, that is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men and hairy beasties. A shark believed to be the oldest living vertebrae has been discovered, and it could be older than Shakespeare. The massive Greenland shark was found in the North Atlantic Ocean by scientists who estimated it up to 512 years old. Wow. It said estimated. They could have given some months in there, couldn't they? Did wow. they count the rings? Yeah, they cut it in half. That's what they did. That's good eating. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> what, shark? <laughs> shark is actually really good. It's a very meaty fish. They have shark fin soup, don't they, in Japan? That's a terrible no. thing to eat. You're not supposed to have that. No. To, which bit of the shark are you meant to eat, then? The meaty part. The leg. I'll take a leg. How's that? It's true enough. I saw a photograph. It looked that old. It looked like an old woman. It had eye missing, wrinkles, <laughs> no teeth. Was it teeth. dead? It was gumming its prey to death. <laughs> was it dead? If you'd have fallen in the ocean... This is Jaws 23, where Michael Caine, you know, is in a wheelchair. and You're being gummed to death is what's happening. Is it dead? No, it's not dead. It's still alive, I tell you. They used its size to suggest its year of birth as early as 1505, when future King Henry VIII ended his engagement to Catherine of Aragon. For those wow. of you into your history. Greenland sharks, which grow one centimetre a year, 
have been known to live for hundreds of years. Experts used its length a staggering 18 feet and radiocarbon dating to determine its age at 512 years old, according to a study in the Journal of Science. It is the oldest of a group of 28 Greenland sharks analysed for the study. The shark would have been alive during the major world events like the founding of the United States, the Napoleonic Wars and the sinking of the Titanic, although apparently the shark said it had nothing to do with that. <laughs> Their flesh is considered a delicacy in Iceland, but it is also toxic if not treated just like Taco Bell. It's not older than Shakespeare or I can't believe it's here. You decide you can see a picture of that shark for yourself. If you go to our Facebook site, more questions and answers with Adrian Lee, I'll give myself two points. I am now up to the hedonistic, heady heights of four. Heather Morris, Green Men and Hairy Beasties. Private space firm Blue Origin has completed a successful test launch of its rocket and crew capsule. Well, the New Shepard suborbital spacecraft, which is being designed with space tourism in mind, blasted off from the company's West Texas launch site on Tuesday, carrying a sensor-laden dummy named Mannequin Skywalker, in nice. honor oh of God. a familiar character from the Star Wars franchise. In case you didn't know. Is he going up on his own? Yes. Well, Han Solo would have been better then, wouldn't it? Uh, Just saying. Leave it alone, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. So we're going to the bullying now, are we? Is that racist or sexist? What are we going with? The capsule, which has been equipped with large windows to offer future passengers a breathtaking view, soared to an altitude of 98 kilometers before separating from the rocket and parachuting back down. The booster stage also came in for a controlled landing on the launch pad. Blue Origin and Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, I hope that's how he says his name because he's probably rich by now, later stated that the dummy had a great ride. <laughs> Mannequin. Skywalker. Mannequin. It's where we are. The thing that confuses me the most, and I think all of our listeners are probably asking the same question, is how's that UFOs and cryptozoology? Space travel, Lee. Space, space travel. Travel. Spacey. Space travel. travel. You're happy with that, are Lee? you? Yeah. Thin, <laughs> thin week for UFOs, I'm guessing. Not many Bigfoot sightings. Loch Ness Monster, nowhere to be seen. It's oh. Christmas. It is Christmas. I shall give you two points. You're up to two. Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? And if it contains UFOs and cryptozoology, I will give you double the points. Watch this. Nearly half of all humans believe that intelligent extraterrestrial life exists elsewhere in the universe. Have double the points. According to a study that asked 20 across 24 countries. When they were asked if they believed in the existence of intelligent alien civilizations in the universe, 40% of the survey respondents said yes. However, when those taking the survey were asked if they believed in some form of life on other planets, 61% said yes. Hang um, on a second. Mm -hmm. 40% 40 said they believed in extraterrestrials. Yep. 
But 61% said they believe life on other planets. Yes. Well, surely that number should be the same. Where are the extraterrestrials coming from then? They're just appearing, are they, from nowhere? Those yeah, numbers should they be... live on their ship. Oh, I see where they're going. They live on the <laughs> ship. Those numbers should be the same. Where are they no, coming from? They're listen. Not... He's, he hasn't been listening all night. No, I know. I've I just not been taking my Ritalin. I can only apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Among those who reckon we aren't alone, 60% said we should try and communicate with aliens, something that is actually being attempted at the non-profit SETI Institute. Martin Lampert, research director at Glocalities, which carried out the survey, commented, people who believe in the existence of intelligent alien civilizations are not a marginal minority, but constitute a large 47% and distinct segment of unconventional thinkers with a passion for science, technology, culture, politics, and the arts. Only a quarter of respondents say they didn't believe that alien life exists beyond Earth borders. There we are. UFO believers, marginal minority, or we shall see. You can see that article in four. I shall give you two more points and double them. You are now up to 12. We enter the final round of the evening. It is the round of the strange and the bizarre. It's the stories from around the world that are too good not to read out, but don't fit easily into any other category. S&B. This is a fantastic headline. Autocorrect nightmare. Typo in bill legalizes <gasps> cannibalism instead of cannabis. I saw that. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your ear. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> that tastes like a dried apricot. What's wrong with you? Canada is one step closer to the accidental legalization of cannibalism after the House of Commons passed a typo-ridden bill yeah! called C-45. I think no one wanted to be the one to point out the error. MP Sarah Anderson said, we all thought someone else would do it. And then they called the vote. And here we are all voting to legalize cannibalism. I love Canadians. It's just one, so of, one of those things, she says. <laughs> now give me a shin. But Anderson, who also says the error might conceivably have something to do with a lot of MPs jumping the gun on legal cannabis or people smoking weed when typing it up. You know how it is, said Anderson with a shrug. You can tell they're French up there, can't you? Oui. <laughs> She's shrugging her shoulders. You have the munchies. Suddenly everything is about food. Who can say why anything happens? Munchies. The munchies. You're chewing on my arm. (laughs) The typo, which somehow crept into the house bill between the second and third reading, is expected to cost the Canadian government up to $22 billion a year in lost cannabis-related revenue, but create a boom in cannibalism-related tourism. (laughs) I won't be traveling there. I guess now we're all hoping the Senate will fix this, Anderson said. But I wouldn't count on it. Some of them seem far more enthusiastic about the bill. (laughs) (laughs) Bit of a worry. Than they were when it was just about pot. I love it. I don't want to travel to Canada. I'll turn into a Lunchable. You will. (laughs) I'll protect you. Excellent. Everybody's happy. (laughs) Typo in the bill or we feel ill. I ate someone who disagreed with me. Mm. Oh, nice. Am I the only person who walks around the zoo, looks at all the animals and thinks, I wonder what that tastes like? 
Apparently I am. Who knew? Miss Morris, we're in the round of SMB. What have you got for me tonight? Bangor police are on the lookout for a bad Santa mm. who handed out candy canes to children in a local department store. Well, that would be a good Santa, wouldn't it? I was oh under the impression boy. you weren't supposed to take candy from strangers. What about Santa? He's what not a stranger. No, he's just an old man with a beard. What could possibly go wrong? You've got a beard. Yeah. I'm not an old man. <laughs> <laughs> really? Really? This is where we are, is it? This is what my life has come to. This... <laughs> wow. This is where we are. Unbelievable. Anything else or are you good? I don't know. You been to Bangor? There was a young man from Bangor. No. Okay. In a roundup of quirky police news posted Thursday morning on the department's Facebook page, Lieutenant Tim Cotton wrote, The most bizarre story of the week involved a stroke now. What are you talking about, old man? Involved (laughs) (laughs) And goodwill to all men. (laughs) Old man. (laughs) Look, it's old man Lee from the amusement arcade. (laughs) I'd have got away with enemy for you meddling kids. Well, it involved a complaint about a Santa who handed a candy cane to a young girl as she walked through a store with her mother. The mother thought nothing of the interaction at first cotton wrote but became perplexed and disturbed when she ran into santa again and told her good girls get candy naughty girls get jewelry well if that ain't the freaking truth anyway cotton said the store had not hired the santa and could not find him in the (gasps) store because he was able to slip through the ladies apparel (laughs) and small appliances as quickly as prune-filled cookies go through flying reindeer. There it's yes. gone. Ooh. Cotton said police have no leads about the man's identity or his intentions, but would like to speak to him. North Pole? Mm, yes. Yeah, that would be a good place to start, wouldn't it? We now enter the round that is called Not For Your Mother, which means you have now found us in our archive. So thank you for coming to check us out, and thank you for being tech savvy also if you're listening to us on any of our platforms stitcher itunes TuneIn radio or soundcloud why not cut and paste the radio show why don't you show the whole wide world on facebook and twitter that you're now listening to us and press the little red orange love heart mm-hmm. show us how much you appreciate Do it. the show this round cannot be read out on air because we'd get removed we'd get fined i can still be deported for moral turpitude I'm going to look up one day what moral turpitude actually is and we'll see how much we can get through in a single weekend. If your mother's of a nervous disposition, if there's young children in the room they need to be removed, you have been warned, of course. Stonehenge's naughty secret revealed, says the headline. Experts believe it was built to cast willy-shaped shadows. Just like Nelson's column plunging itself into Mother Nature. Professor Terence Mead says structures were built to play without words, casting phallic-shaped shadows as part of a fertility cult. 
This would then penetrate an egg-shaped uh, monument oh my God. before hitting a central female stone that symbolises fertility. Uh-huh. It's a lot of work. It's all very wet as well in the West Country, if you notice that. <laughs> Never stops. The professor examined nearly 20 stone circles across the UK and filmed their changing silhouettes at sunrise on ritually important days. He told the Daily Telegraph, My basic discovery is that many stone circles were built at a time of a fertility religion and that stones were positioned such that a sunrise on auspicious dates of the year phallic shadows would be cast from a male symbolic stone to a waiting female symbolic stone. <gasps> what if it's just a giant sundial? Yeah. I'm sure they've never thought of that. I can't believe that never got mentioned. And during the summer solstice, <laughs> the giant shadow of the huge, throbbing, swollen, <laughs> phallic shadow penetrates the female wet stone of the middle center circle and you're taking her up the aisle. And all those other little circles around the country... Yes. Avebury. Are you coming with me? Yes, I oh know many of them, yes. The no, white they're, stones, they're the Avebury's. Their own personal little sundials. It's like a portable watch. It's hardly portable, is it? It's like a mile square radius and there's I 70 stones. I want to have stones. my own watch. Yes, they weigh a ton each. You have your own watch. I've seen small ones, though. Little watches. Well, I think you've cracked a couple of hundred years of anthropological <laughs> research there, so well done. This is coming from the person that guessed Fruity Pebbles. Right on. What was I thinking? I've been a fool. <laughs> You're obviously overqualified. Wow. <laughs> what are we talking about? I have no, no idea. Something about a show. Something about a show? Oh, no. <laughs> the archaeologist explained on certain days of clear sunrise the shadow of the phallic hillstone penetrates the ground monument during the summer solstice before arriving at the old stone. <laughs> Professor Meaden also found that a similar display also occurs at Drombeg Stone Circle in County Cork. Markings on the stone also show a phallus and an open vulva. Ooh. I'm guessing that's a convertible in Sweden. The researcher <laughs> said, <laughs> I want to buy one of those open vulvas. The uh. weather's really nice. I like a nice summer drive. But some experts aren't convinced his theory is accurate, with Professor Mike Parker Pearson from University College London saying, why would phalli have lentils on top? It's just bonkers. I can, yeah. Yeah. Well, I can put a shelf on top of mine if that helps. <sighs> Michelle, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Well, Swedish manufacturer Wobbling Willy has created a sex toy that customers can have customized with a 3D model of anyone's face. Really? Wobbling <laughs> Willy. <laughs> Whose face are you having on your Wobbling Willy? Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. This is where we're going. Like a little tiny Pez face. I don't care. I've seen it. Oh, ick. Your voice was so high and squeaky, I can hear dogs barking in the car park. bothers me. Oh, and then he could just sit on the desk while I'm not... Oh, I didn't think you were going to say desk. You want a wobbling willy with the face of Johnny Depp at one end? Yes, please, Christmas. Okay. Please, Father Christmas. (laughs) We'll see if you've been good or bad. (laughs) 
On the website, the product is billed as being perfect for couples in long-distance relationships and those who might be missing their other half. When looking for Christmas presents for our loved ones, many of us will want to add that special touch. What if I got your mother on one end? How would that be? My mom's dead. What would you be using one for? I don't know. (laughs) Mixing batter for a pancake? (laughs) Baking. Bakery. Baking. I need to fold Uh, the butter. Baking, yeah. Baking. Baking. I'll make you a nice sponge cake. (laughs) Or a pound cake. (laughs) You make sure you're beating those eggs. I'm never eating here again. (laughs) Bump cake, anyone? I love this show. I love this show. Oh, the sex toy can be customized with a 3D model of anyone's face. And this year, you have the choice to get it seriously personal, thanks to sex toy company Wobbling Willie. We should do a prize where we get your head put on the end of one and we'll raffle it. How does that Nope. Sound? Yep, we'll nope. do that. We'll make Not it happen. Gonna happen. Yeah, we'll make it happen. No. We'll make it happen. Not gonna Don't happen. Worry. We'll make it happen. Those who want one will need to provide photos of the front, back, and sides of the head they'd like to attach to their fully functional dildo with a twist. Nice. Mm-hmm. Shoppers also provide details about hair, eye, and skin color to make the customized head, which sits at the end of the dildo. What do you get if you cross a tortoise and a vibrator? An armadillo. Oh, my God. Uh-uh. The sex toy retails for 66 pounds, so about 100 bucks, right, Adrian? That would probably be a little cheaper, but yeah, maybe mm. 80, 90 mm-hmm. bucks. Ooh, we got to crowdfund that. Yep. And can be shipped worldwide. <laughs> Patron! Yeah. <laughs> so getting, I got a big stocking. We're going to get that <laughs> pushed into the mailbox, are we? And they're going to stick the flag up. This is where we are, is it? Wow. <laughs> The website reads, down to the basics, we sculpt the head out of clay to the likeness of the photo you send us. A photo of a secret love, yourself as a gift to an ex-girl or boyfriend. Next door's dog. (laughs) No. All the animals in the zoo. You're ruining it for me. I'm sorry. You're the one with the dreams and fantasies. Then it's assembled with the wobbling, willy, silicone buddy. The manufacturer will also spare any. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The manufacturer will also spare any blushes by delivering your toy in an inconspicuous packaging, for only an additional twelve pounds. Twelve extra Ooh. pounds gets you anonymous packaging, and you stick it on the back shelf of your car and watch it wobble around and frighten all the kids. Yeah. <laughs> That's your Christmas present, is it? That's you, what you which want. Johnny Depp do you want? Like the pirate one? All of them. <laughs> I think You're going to be busy. We won't see her for a week. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's drinking the juice. Look, the lights are fading in there. <laughs> have my car battery. Miss Morris, you have the final story in the round of Not For Your Mother. Dave Roberts, 52, and his eldest daughter, Hazel, who is 27. She's a nut. 
who owns a pole dancing studio in Gloucestershire. Nice. England. Mm. Awesome. Sugar. Sugar on me. And not only are they great instructors, <gasps> but they are also father and daughter. Oh, no. A yes, they are. No. Yes, they are. That's uh-uh. it, sweetheart. You've nearly got it. Daddy knows best. La, 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 la. Yes. Yes. Oh, God. I was a bit confused when I first heard her call Dave Dad, but they clearly know what they're doing, said one of their students. Oh, I don't think they do. The pair had started pole dancing about six years ago, but at the time, neither one knew the other was actually taking classes. Hang on a second. Why what? Is, why is the dad taking pole dancing classes this is apparently the it's good exercise yes running's good exercise Men rowing shouldn't cycling no. well, old dudes we've got different yeah, anatomy yeah. hey old wait a minute <laughs> if i was swinging around on a pole i've got different anatomy stuff's moving It'd around knock someone out Why, or thank it would, you <laughs> or it would let me stick. Let me buy you a drink. <laughs> you it look would like... stick like one of those sticky octopuses. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, you hear that god awful screeching metal on flesh sound? <laughs> you know they. So let me get this right. I come in the studio tonight thinking we're doing a paranormal <laughs> news quiz show. An hour in, yep. you're comparing my twig and berries to a sticky octopus. <laughs> <laughs> Going down a window, a popular stocking stuff of the 1980s, to the sounds of pour some sugar on me because I'm doing pole dancing. Yes. Well, today didn't turn out or I thought it was going to turn out. I have to say that. It's going into places I never thought existed. What kind of thong is it? Oh, no. It's a banana hammock. Yeah. Budgie mm. smuggler. You were right with the word hammock. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No. Well... Uh, Hazel, <laughs> she's uh, lost Hazel. Her, she's lost her. Well, I'm trying to think of the dead. <laughs> Hazel said she took a six-week course in college because apparently they offer those there. She's got a BA in pole dancing. That's how dancing. she had to pay for college, and sent her dad a photo of nice. her performing a move called the crucifix. Wow. <gasps> Her dad then responded with a picture of him doing the same move. No. She sends him a picture of George O'Keefe. She gets the bagpipes back. And explained his girlfriend at the time had convinced them to do classes together as well. No. Despite having kept it a secret for a while, Dave started taking classes with Hazel when she returned from school. No. School. Daddy, I can't go pole dancing. I've got homework to do. Well, it's a matter of trust, Hazel explained. If you can't trust your own dad not to drop you, who can you trust? Drop you? It's okay, sweetheart. Daddy's here. Why are they tandem pole dancing? She explained their routines are based more on gymnastics and strength rather than seductive dance moves. Hang on, I'll Uh show you the horse and the dismount. (gasps) 
In 2015, the pair was featured on Britain's Got Talent. I'm going to have to go look that crap up now. And despite being called the weirdest thing by the judges, Dave went on to win fourth place in a semi-pro category at the International Mr. Pole Dance Competition in 2016. Were there there four contestants? and 200,000 homosexuals. (sighs) And they all taped down their budgies so they don't stick. Wow. Like an octopus. Yeah. You're still with that, are you? still going with that, are you? <laughs> you screechy octopus. A screechy octopus. <laughs> Do you want to see the screechy octopus? Do you want to see the screechy <laughs> octopus? <laughs> Hang on. Let me press it against the window. Wow. <laughs> 20 quid. <laughs> to see the squid. <laughs> Still going, right? Okay. Sorry. It wow. was there. She had to do it. She was saying it looks like an invertebrate with eight limbs. Fair enough, okay. <laughs> Despite being approached by other partners, Hazel said she couldn't imagine pole dancing with anyone other than her dad. No. <laughs> no. no. Oh, daddy. Oh, ick. That's <laughs> Who's wrong. your daddy? I think she knows. Her daddy. (laughs) Well, she said she wouldn't feel so comfortable or safe because they would not know my balance points like my dad does. Hang on, Michelle. Let me me grab your balance points. Show me Dad. Show me your sticky squid. Mm. Screeching octopus. (laughs) The best punk band of 1979. (laughs) Screeching octopus. Good time. We have come to the end of the show, and all good things, of course, must come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores in last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery. It is Heather Morris, who never got beyond four. I don't believe it. I came second. I've scored six, but our (laughs) runaway leader tonight. Mostly her points were made in the introduction round, of course, with a resplendent 12 points Ooh. is Michelle Corrie, and she takes home the $33,000 IR camera. But don't worry, listeners, we'll beat her up and take it off her in the car park. <laughs> yep. Do not fear. We are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time, and I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world, the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre, and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show, and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers. With Adrian Leo, you can follow my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And remember, we now do an extra 20 to 25 minutes of the show that you can only find on SoundCloud. If you search for MQTA Radio, we do a round called Not For Your Mother that we can't read out on air. My gratitude and gracious thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Nathan Bush, Michelle Corey, and all of the International Paranormal Society, interparanormal.net, and all of the show's sponsors, including Martin's Online Auction, the Lakes Area, Paranormal Interest Group, and Mooford of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening, and remember, be interested.